0: I spoke too soon, yesterday I mentioned that Pride Month was coming to an end, but I said that before Assistant Health Secretary Richard Levine weighed in on the matter, and here is what Dick Levine had to say. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride, happy Pride Month, and actually, let's declare it a summer of Pride, Happy summer of pride. Now, I have a counterproposal. My counterproposal is that we ban that evil pride flag from every public space forever. We could do it. We ban all sorts of flags from public spaces Nazi flags, hammer and sickle flags would not be that hard at all. And you might say that's extreme. But is it more extreme than turning pride day into pride week, into pride month, into pride summer, into left unchecked, I promise you, pride always? We're living in polarizing times, and you can't simultaneously exalt opposites. So which is it going to be? Do we follow good old Uncle Sam and salute the red, white, and blue? Or will we follow Assistant Secretary Dick and worship the rainbow standard? What kind of summer and what kind of country do you want to have? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and $30 off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S. That's goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles today. The presidential race is heating up. Ron DeSantis is releasing a southern border immigration plan. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First, though, unbelievably, Trans the Kids Richard Levine is somehow not the most unpopular, prominent politician in the Biden administration. Or should I say, not the most prominent, unpopular politician in the Biden administration? That honor would go to Kamala Harris. And you don't need to take my word for it. And you don't need to take your hunch for it. We have polling on this from NBC News. Kamala Harris is the least popular vice president in recent memory. The poll conducted this month shows 32% of registered voters have a positive view of Kamala Harris compared with 49% who have a negative view of her. This is a net negative rating for those of you who are not mathematically inclined of negative 17 points, the lowest for any vice president in the polls history. And if you compare it with other polls, you're looking at at least the least popular vice president since 1995, St. Al Gore, and maybe even less popular going further back. This is, of course, very bad news for Kamala Harris, really good news for Biden, though. And it's not a coincidence, I don't think. Biden picked Kamala Harris because he said that he was going to pick a black woman. And there were like three options among prominent politicians. And so it was either her, Karen Bass, who is an actual communist, or Susan Rice, who is the fall man for the Benghazi terror attack under Barack Obama. So not a lot of options. And he picked Kamala Harris. And I think one of the other reasons that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris is because she's deeply, deeply unlikable. And this is a factor that goes into picking a vice presidential candidate. Is you want to pick a VP who will not be more popular than you and who will give your opponents pause when they're thinking about impeaching you. So Joe Biden has nothing to fear from Kamala Harris. Kamala obviously wants to run against Joe in 2024, but she doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell. Pete Buttigieg is another cabinet member who wants to run against Joe Biden. And Pete Buttigieg also is a complete joke of a candidate and going nowhere. So the only real challenge that Joe Biden can get right now is from Gavin Newsom in California. And he is running a shadow presidential campaign. But- the Democrat Party is so rigged and it's so controlled by party elites that it would be very difficult for Gavin to, to mount some kind of an insurrection. You're seeing RFK Jr. trying to do that right now. Difficult to see how that ultimately works. And so Newsom is just waiting in the wings to see if Joe Biden, you know, God forbid, falls down a flight of stairs or something. Gavin Newsom can come in and take over the mantle. But as of now, no serious threat to Joe Biden, certainly not from his vice president. Kamala was just out giving a speech and reminded us why people don't like her very much. Here is her take on pro-life and abortion advocacy. The majority of Americans, I do believe, agree that one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. Now, of course, the majority of Americans do not believe in this. This is why it's a very contentious issue. And even for people who are pro-abortion, nobody really believes this. Christianity has been clear from day one that abortion is completely unacceptable. The the Catholic Church has never wavered (laughs) in this position, going all the way back to the didache, the first sort of proto-catechism of the Catholic Church. You see that abortion is immoral, unacceptable. This teaching has been reaffirmed throughout the ages. Uh, Christians, in order to support legal abortion, Christians do have to abandon their faith. And Pope John Paul II made this very clear when he said that the right to life is not just one right among many. You know, We've got the right to life. We've got the right to drive a car. We've got the right to own a gun. The right to life is the fundamental right on which all of the other rights rely. So yes, you would have to abandon your faith. And that's what many libs have done. Many pro-abortion people will tell you, yeah, I'm not a Christian. I'm not I'm not this religion. I'm not that religion. Yeah, I I am a liberal. That's my religion. So she's wrong about that. But put that aside for a second. Politically, what's so stupid about this line is that the principle she's appealing to appeals to nobody right now. She's appealing to a principle of small government. She's saying, we need to get the government out of people's lives. But that doesn't appeal to anybody. It doesn't appeal to the liberals who are infamously in favor of bigger and bigger government, but it also no longer really appeals to the conservatives who for some recent decades have created an idol out of small government, but they've moved away from that over the last seven years. Now, when you move away from silly things, you want to move towards something good. And I would recommend you move towards your dinner table where you're serving up some good ranchers, baby. Right now, head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. as our great nation's birthday approaches, we're coming together As proud Americans and savoring the delicious taste of homegrown American-made meat. Our friends at Good Ranchers have the best quality meats you've ever tasted, and they only sell meat that was raised here in the USA. From now until Independence Day, Good Ranchers will be offering the best deals to give you freedom from the meat aisle, from ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers to the most delicious chicken you could ever want. Good Ranchers has something for everyone, and right now you get 30 bucks off with our code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. This meat is the best on the market. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it. The price is lower than its competitors, and then you're going to get an additional savings. It's unreal. I have people over. I want to make sure it's not just me saying it. So I have friends come over, and and everybody says the same thing. What are you waiting for? Let the mouth-watering aroma of American-made meat fill the air, bringing joy, unity, and delectable flavors To your celebrations, head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles for 30 bucks off any box. Promo code Knowles, GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. Over the last 50, 60 years, both parties have, in different realms, exalted small government. The libs have done so on the social issues. They've said, get the government out of my bedroom. Get the government out of my Social interactions, get the government out of my weird sex stuff, get the government out of my drug use, get the government out of all these what we call social issues. The the conservatives have done so on the economic front. They've said, get the government out of my business, get the government out of my wallet, get the government out of my bank account. Okay. Both parties are increasingly moving away from that because there's no such thing as a small government in a country of 330 million people. And there's no such thing as a small government in any society because we have questions that we have to agree upon and we have laws that have to be enforced. So even in the earliest days of the American Republic, there might have been a much smaller federal government, but there was a much bigger local government. The local government had a lot to say about when you could buy things. There were Sabbath laws. The government had a lot to say about what kind of weird sex stuff you could engage in. Deviant sexual behaviors were illegal, and some were harshly punished. The government had a lot of lot to say about what kind of things you could import and what kind of, what kind of things you could sell. The government had a lot to say about who could live in the country, who could vote, who could do this, who could do that. So the government was very, very big at that more local level on social issues and economic issues. And both sides embraced libertarianism in specific spheres in the latter part of the 20th century, early 21st century. But now both are moving away from that. The, the, hey, just accept us, be tolerant, let us do what we want to do. Get out of my bedroom. That kind of liberalism has given way to you will worship the pride flag or else you will sit through the pride diversity inclusion session in your school or you're going to be punished. You'll do it in your office or you're going to be fired. And on the right, The uh, shrink the government, let me spend my own money kind of libertarianism has given way to a more robust focus on rebuilding American manufacturing, on using protective tariffs as a way to balance out some inequalities in foreign trade has given way to the government going in and pummeling big tech companies when big tech is censoring conservatives. Both sides are favoring a more active role of government right now because they recognize that as they've ceded that power, it has benefited their political opponents. In this case, it's benefited the left way more than it's benefited the right. I guess you might say it's benefited the uniparty establishment against populist movements on the left and against the right. So Kamala Harris, not preaching to anybody. Her, Her message is not resonating at all. The other prominent woman in the Biden administration, Karine Jean-Pierre, the president's press secretary has come out and and she's, she's articulating the Biden 2024 campaign message for the campaign trail. We believe Reaganomics doesn't work. We've been very clear. We believe that trickle-down, a trickle-down economy uh, doesn't work. It has not worked. That has shown to be the case for decades now. And so what we have been very clear, you hear me say this all the time, building an economy from the, from the middle out and bottom up, that's what we want to do. And every piece of historic legislation speaks to that, speaks to what the president wants to do, very loud and clear in historic fashion. Ronald Reagan died almost 20 years ago. Ronald Reagan has been dead for almost twenty years. Ronald Reagan left office thirty-four years ago. Can we shut up about the Reaganomics already? Have, does this does this talking point still work? Reaganomics. Are we going to start talking about collagen? Collagenomics don't work. Listen, James Garfieldonomics are bad for this country, and I recognize that Joe Biden remembers the election of James Garfield and Chester Arthur, but most people. For most people, this is the distant past, okay? And it's just the same tired, old lines from Biden and from Kamala Harris and from Kareem Jean-Pierre and the whole liberal establishment. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe they've rigged the elections enough that it really doesn't matter what the people think. But I can't imagine this is resonating. And in fact, it's reflected in the polls because not only Kamala Harris, but Joe Biden are down in the doldrums in terms of popularity. And then this line that Corinne Jean-Pierre says, she says, we don't want an economy from the top down, the trickle down. We want an economy from the bottom up. No, you don't. You obviously don't. Because it was you and the libs who were pushing all the COVID lockdowns, which was the largest transfer of wealth in human history from the lower classes to the upper classes, from the multitude of small businesses to the handful of oligarchic large businesses. That's what you want. Who's the party of the rich, would you say today? The deplorable, irredeemable, filthy, dirty, hillbilly, bitter, clinging, MAGA Republicans that the the liberal establishment despises. Or the jet-setting John Kerry's, Joe Biden's, cutting deals with China and Ukraine, sipping lattes, preening and sneering at the rest of their countrymen. Who's the party of the people? I don't think this is fanciful, wishful thinking here. I think we can all agree, whatever the Republican Party was 10, 20 years ago, whatever the Democratic Party was 10, 20 years ago, today, the GOP is the party of the people. And the Democrats are the party of the elite. Who disagrees with that? And they have the audacity to say, we're building an economy from the bottom up. No, you're not. It's it's the same thing that you hear from the Democrats when they say, we're the party of democracy. And it's the party that constantly is chipping away at democracy. The Republicans are the party saying, hey, we need voter ID. Hey, we need to make sure that these elections don't get stolen. Hey, we need to make sure that we have representation for marginalized people. And it's the Democrats saying, no, you don't. It's even in the way that the parties are run. The Republican Party basically has a free and open primary process. The Democrat Party has party elites, very influential, usually very wealthy people who come in and pick the nominee through superdelegates if there's any confusion. It just doesn't resonate. Nobody really buys this. And so the outcome of this is not necessarily that the people are finally gonna have their voices heard and they're gonna throw Biden out of power and they're gonna put their representative in. It might be the case That the electoral system is so rigged now, and both parties believe that the electoral system is rigged according to polling, and if you have eyes and two brain cells to rub together, you can see that. You can see that in the run-up to the 2020 election, when the libs change all of the election rules to benefit them (laughs) and to make it harder to have any transparency or accountability of the vote, that that constitutes a rigging. You might say, well, now the system is just so rigged, it's going to be very, very difficult to overcome that. But let there be no confusion about where things stand. The, the, the people preening about Reaganomics and whatever, they are very clearly the party of a small oligarchic elite. You want to talk about bad economic policies that are deeply unpopular with people? New York City. Now, I couldn't believe this. I had, to, I had to read this multiple times to find out it wasn't a joke. New York City is telling pizza places that they need to cut their emissions by three quarters, or they're going to be put out of business. Now, before I get into this story, what do we say? Do we say pizzerias? Do we say pizzeria? Do we say pizza, like the Italian pronunciation? Do we say pizza places? Do we say pizza parlor? Remember, we used to call them pizza parlors. No one really says that. I don't know. What, what do you call a pizza shop? Pizza shop? I don't know. Anyway, it's a digression. It's a, it's a linguistic point for another time. New York City is telling these pizzeria that they need to cut their emissions by three quarters. That's the Department of Environmental Protection new rules that say that wood-fired good pizza places need to change the way that they make pizza or they're going to be shut down by the city. They're saying that there are harmful pollutants in neighborhoods with poor air quality And we need to control emissions because people are going to choke on the pollution of a delicious, tasty pizza. I wish that I had the the emissions from a delicious pizza place down the street or downstairs from my apartment. How wonderful would that be? That would be the most delightful fragrance that I could imagine in my apartment. But instead, they're saying, no, that's a very bad thing. And everybody hates the smell of pizza, of course. And that's why we're going to shut down the pizza shops. Does anyone really believe Does anyone really believe, first of all, that the emissions are going to cause the sun monster to end the world? No. The people who do believe that have already said it's too late. Don't forget, Greta Thunberg, more than five years ago now, came out and said that if we don't cut off fossil fuels within five years, it will be too late and humanity will be wiped out. And we've passed that point. So, according even to the most prominent environmental activist in the world, it is too late. There is nothing we can do to stop catastrophic global warming that will wipe out the human race. So, the only reasonable conclusion that one could draw from that, even if one believed the ridiculous premise, is to eat, drink, and be merry, and specifically to eat tasty wood fired pizza. But they're going to keep it up. Even though they say, they already say it's too late, doesn't matter. We've still got to suffer. We've still got to sacrifice. We've still got to give up our pizza. And that's the point. That's the point. The reason that they're going after your pizza is not because your pizza is causing global warming. Compared to all of the other pollutants in the world, New York City wood-fired pizza represents 0.0% of the pollutants. They're going after your pizza specifically because it will make you suffer, specifically because it is a sacrifice, because sacrifices and suffering are an important part of religion, and environmentalism represents the pseudo-religion of the left. And because dietary rules, rules around what you're allowed to eat, what's clean, what's unclean, they make up part of religion. And because liberalism is a mockery religion, it's a pseudo-religion to replace the traditional religion of our civilization, which is Christianity, they've got to have all that stuff too. And because societies are defined by their taboos, and taboo is a religious concept, they're going to make the thing that you really like taboo. A lot of people are curious as to why the liberal establishment seems so hell-bent on making us all eat bugs. You're seeing encouragements for us to eat bugs from institutions like the World Economic Forum, from popular celebrities like Nicole Kidman, from liberal politicians, from social media influencers on the left. Why? Why do they want us to eat bugs? Well, they say these bugs are really environmentally friendly and you can grow them anywhere. And they do not they're not going to cause the sun monster to kill us all. And so despite how gross it seems... You have to eat the bugs. But the despite is what people are misunderstanding here. They're not trying to get you to eat bugs despite how gross they are. They're trying to get you to eat bugs because of how gross they are. Because it will violate one of your traditional taboos in your culture. And by changing the taboos, that will change your culture and it will change the entire political order. There is nothing that is more New York than pizza. That is what New York is. That is old timey, traditional New York. And so if you are a social and political revolutionary and you want to change the culture of New York, you're going to go after the thing that defines it. Mm -hmm. And pizza is at the top of that list, and so they're going to come and they're going to take your pizza. And you know what I say? I'll channel my inner Charlton Heston. You can take my pizza from my cold dead hands as a New Yorker by birth and by education. So I think the grease from all that pizza in my whole life is one of the reasons that I look so good. When you want to look good and glowing, you've got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Dehydrated skin covered in dark spots and even puffier bags under the eyes, it could be a problem for all of us, all right? And thankfully, GenuCell has the answer. GenuCell has extended your chance to get their most popular package featuring beautifully curated skincare essentials for life outside in the summer sun. Cells limited-time summer essentials package includes their one-of-a-kind ultra-retinol super moisturizer with a powerful plant extract, a retinol alternative that delivers results without the harsh side effects, and is perfectly safe to use in that summer sun. You will also get Cells classic skincare therapy for under-eye bags and puffiness that will get you compliments everywhere you go. Plus, with its immediate effects, results guaranteed in 12 hours or less, or your money back. For one more week, every Summer Essentials package includes their nourishing vitamin C serum for a visibly clear complexion. Love the company. Love the founder. Coptic Christian from Egypt who left for the American dream. Head on over to genusel.com slash Knowles right now. Get the Summer Essentials package for over 65% off just for the summer. Every subscription order includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. Genusel.com slash Knowles. Genusel.com Knowles. Speaking of pizza, Did you know that the body mass index is racist? BMI, which is one of the ways that we measure obesity, that is now racist according to the American Medical Association, which is the largest council of doctors in the United States. They're going to say goodbye to it because BMI, they say, has racist roots. The report from the AMA says that, quote, BMI does not appropriately represent racial and ethnic minorities because it's based on the imagined ideal Caucasian of the 19th century without considering a person's gender or ethnicity. So the reason that they're saying it's racist is because black women in particular are very obese as a group. They are the most obese group of anybody. This became a political talking point during COVID because people who were more obese were more likely to suffer complications from COVID. And so the Libs said that COVID is racist, but COVID obviously is not racist. There are just certain unhealthy behaviors and conditions that are more associated with black people than with white people, and specifically black women than other people. And so they say it's, it's all racist and it's all because of white supremacy because everything has to be white people's fault. So the AMA goes on. They say South Asians in particular have especially high levels of body fat and are more prone to developing abdominal obesity than whites, which may account for their very high risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. In contrast, some studies have found that blacks have lower body fat and higher lean muscle mass than whites at the same BMI. And therefore, maybe at lower risk of obesity related diseases. Notice they don't compare BMIs of the different groups. They're just saying at the same BMI, here's m- muscle to fat. And of course, that's true. Different peoples are different, obviously. I'm a little swarthy here, my ancestors come from southern Italy. And at least on one side of my family, and so, yeah, my skin is going to be a little darker than people from Scandinavia. It's going to be a little lighter than people from Nigeria. My hair is going to be a little bit different than the hair of people from all over the world. And so, sure, it naturally follows that all sorts of aspects of my body are going to be different from other people's. Does that mean that body mass index is no longer useful? No, of course not. That's a complete non sequitur. Does that mean that BMI is racist? No, of course not. But racism, as as we've observed on the show before, and is becoming increasingly clear in our culture, racist just means white. If a thing is white, if a thing has connection to white people, if a thing is more closely associated with white people than non-white people, it is racist. In our modern culture, white just means bad. So because BMI was developed by white people on white people using experiments that involved white people, it's just bad. Because America historically was a white country, America's bad. Because Europe is the continent of the white people, then Europe is bad. And those places will be blamed for things that take place in Asia, that take place in South Asia, that take place in Africa, that take place in Pacific Islands, slavery, cannibalism—even cannibalism, which wasn't actually practiced in the West—and the word comes from the indigenous peoples of the Americas, and specifically from the Carib Islanders. Doesn't matter. There'll I mean, be anything, anything that has existed everywhere. It's bad when white people do it. It's not bad when other people do it. And that's that. And you can try to make sense of it and you can bang your head against one and say, wait a second, this is so crazy. These libs have gone too far. How on earth could you say that that ways to protect the health, specifically the health of black people, could ever be racist? It doesn't, come on, the logic, it's, it's not logical. You, you have to recognize that the libs are beginning with the conclusion. The conclusion is white people are bad, <laughs> okay? White people, are, they're the only group for whom you against whom you can legally discriminate and socially discriminate. Asians, you can also legally discriminate against in college admissions and employment, but and really specifically college admissions through affirmative action. But white people are the only group where you not only can legally discriminate against them, but it is socially acceptable and encouraged to insult them, to discriminate against them socially, to ostracize them. It's the only group. So that's the conclusion. And you're going to fill in all the, the absurd background, such that you've got the American Medical Association saying, oh, obesity is great. (laughs) Obesity is great. If you lose weight, you're racist. And you see this in the body positivity movement and the, the now worship of a pop singer like Lizzo. If anyone suggests that maybe Lizzo ought to get a little bit more healthy, that that would be good for her, that's considered racist. Speaking of racial issues, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, number two guy in the Republican race for president, has a new border plan crisis at the southern border, a record 2.76 million migrants crossed the border during the 2022 fiscal year, shattering the previous annual record by more than 1 million. Some not old enough to walk, but have already traveled hundreds of miles. So there been this record of Border Patrol agents migrants- apprehended more than 10,000 migrants along the U.S.-Mexico border yesterday. That is, is a growing humanitarian crisis at the southern border. The Se- drugs coming across Almost the border here epidemic. Across the country, the toll of which could be counted in the skyrocketing number of overdose deaths. What's been happening under President Biden's watch? Every day, Americans are less and less safe. The there we go. We see all the numbers. The 127 States. terrorists America's apprehended Delta. trying to cross the border. So true. We will secure the border. We will stop the cartels. We will build the wall. We we'll stop the invasion. I like that he's using the word invasion. That's very strong. No excuses. Okay. The plan might be good. The commercial's weak. And the commercial's weak because the commercial doesn't include specifics. And because the commercial is diagnosing the problem, recognizing the problem, but not getting specific on the solutions. Other than all the stuff that Republicans have been talking about for a long time that they haven't really done. Trump had a real advantage here in 2016 because he offered new solutions we're going to build the wall, we're going to deport all these people, we're going to end birthright citizenship. Okay, great. Wow, that was new. That sounded exciting. People voted for him on that premise, but then he didn't really do it. He built some of the wall. Illegal immigration dropped in the first months of the presidency, but then the illegal immigrants and the cartels realized that the law wasn't really going to be enforced. Maybe that was Trump's fault. Maybe it wasn't Trump's fault. Maybe Trump just couldn't wield the bureaucracy. Effectively enough, regardless, illegal immigration jumped right back up. So, now, the, the idea of building the wall or whatever, even that is not novel. People need more specifics, and and we need to believe that you can actually get it done. Now, in his his speeches, Governor DeSantis has been more specific, and he's talked about how he intends to wield the levers of power, which is good. I mean, that's a a big improvement, and I wish that that sort of thing were in the campaign commercial. This commercial doesn't really do anything for me. I'd rather just see DeSantis explain in nitty-gritty detail what he's going to do, because nobody really believes that it's going to get done. I don't think anybody really believes that Trump is going to get it done. I don't think anybody believes that DeSantis or any of these other candidates are going to get it done, no matter how much they want to, because the, the feeling is that even if a president is totally sincere about stopping illegal immigration, that the deep state is going, to, is going to cut them off at the knees, that it's going to be held up in court, that it's going to be held up by the executive agencies, and that all that time the borders are going to remain open and the illegal immigrants are going to come over to the tune of three and a half million per year. You know, it's, it's not totally fair to, to attack DeSantis for this because the reason that he needs to get so specific, the reason he doesn't really have credibility here is in part because even Trump failed to do it. Even Trump, who is the most anti-immigration president, presidential candidate for a major party in my lifetime, even he couldn't get the job done. So now I, I wonder if immigration is even going to be a big issue in 2024. I think a lot of Republicans have just written it off. Just said, yeah, we tried. There's really no solution on the horizon. We've got to focus our attention elsewhere. Speaking of unwelcome entities invading our space, here's a disturbing story from the Daily Wire. AI teddy bears could be reading customized bedtime stories to your kids within five years. This is according to VTech Holdings, which has always been a kind of higher tech toy company. Hong Kong-based toy and electronics company. They're looking very closely at the use of AI within toys and they would equip the toys with a chat GPT-style intelligence. They're hoping to do it by 2028. And so what they'll say is you can incorporate not only the kid's name, but the kid's daily activities. Knows You go to which school, who your friends are. It can actually be telling a story and talking almost like a good friend. The kids can actually talk to the toy and the toy can actually give them a response. I think this is it. A very bad idea. You'll be shocked to hear that I, who am rather skeptical of technological progress and progress generally, I uh, think this is probably a bad idea. This technology is designed to alleviate loneliness. That's the idea of it. Because even if you're isolated, there are a lot of lonely people out there, especially in this day and age. There are a lot of people who don't have a lot of friends. Maybe they don't feel like they have any friends in real life. And what they will try to do is turn to technology to alleviate that loneliness. And so this sort of technology, the the industry is talking about implementing it into retirement homes, into hospice care, into little kids' bedrooms where they're sitting alone at night. And now mommy and daddy don't need to read a story to the kid. The teddy bear is just going to read the story to the kid. And that's going to make the kid feel like he's talking almost like to a good friend. But- All of the evidence that we have is that the result is really the opposite. That as technology becomes more personalized, as the media and the technology become more social, people feel more alienated and more isolated. And the reason for that is we know that it's just a computer. We can tell the difference between a person and a computer. And I think even if ChatGPT and AI gets to the point where it is almost indistinguishable from a human being, we're still going to know. We still know at a deep level the difference between reality and simulation. We can watch a conversation on a YouTube video, and that's great, and it might pass the time, but it's not really going to make us feel less lonely. It's not not really going to alleviate that at all. And and the more that we rely on these technologies, the, the, the more alienated we become. I mean, I have talked to people with a whole host of social pathologies and different conditions. A notable, one, a notable one of those conditions we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, but I think, I think we know which issue we're talking about here. And they will say that they've fallen into some of these pathologies because of technology, because they go onto Tumblr, they go onto various social media networks. And they get lost in this network of virtual friends, but they're not really friends. And so all of the insecurities remain and they just become exacerbated and they fall further and further into fantasy and away from reality. Not not a good thing. Not a good thing for the kid. Just read your kid a story, you lazy parent. Don't don't put a robot teddy bear in their crib. What's wrong with you? We got to talk to each other in real life with our real voices. And when you want to talk with your real voice to your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, a company that I'm proud to stand behind because it's got a great product and they're proud to stand behind us and our country. Pure Talk, veteran-owned with a 100% American workforce. They share our beliefs. That is why Pure Talk is the official cell phone wireless partner of The Daily Wire. It's not the only reason. Pure Talk also happens to be the most dependable 5G network in the U.S., top-tier provider at a fraction of the cost of those other woke companies that don't care about you or your beliefs. Mix and match your plans to fit every person in your family. Choose from talk, text, 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for $55 a month. You vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. Instead, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You will get great coverage and save while you're doing it. When you go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, you will save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. When Dr. Jordan B. Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win. For those who champion free speech and intellectual debate, with one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remain unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus offers hundreds of hours of exclusive Jordan content you won't find anywhere else. These include vision and destiny, marriage, dragons, monsters, and men. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, such as Logos and Literacy and Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. That is only the beginning. I haven't even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. Plus, there's even more new exclusive content on the horizon. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you will embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. My favorite comment yesterday is from the drummer's workshop, Norm's Music. I, I absolutely love that commenter. That commenter has popped up a lot in the show. And the comment is, to quote Joe Biden's dad, Joey, it's simple. They're coming for your children. Very simple. They are, they are in fact coming for your children. Speaking of kids, speaking of the youths, Disney, has cast its first transgender actor in a major role. Uh, Disney has hired a British man who identifies as a woman, YouTube personality, who calls himself Abigail Thorne. I don't know what his real name is, but he calls himself Abigail, for a role in the upcoming Disney Plus series, The Acolyte, according to multiple reports. And this is obviously very bad and shouldn't happen and it's another reason never to let your kids watch Disney <laughs> and any, certainly any new Disney and to only go over and watch Daily Wire plus kids content and other conservative kids content. But it's it's created a little bit of a division on the right between the conservatives and the squishier, more kind of live and let live, you have the right to do whatever you want kind of people. And the the division has come down to this issue of well look, The free market can decide who gets cast for what roles. And come on, let's not be extreme here. Transgender people have the right to a job, right? They have the right to be. And now there's a difference between a right to a job, first of all, and a right to be in children's content from Disney. But let's put that aside for a second. Let's just take the transgender people have the right to work. Transgender people have the right to a job. No, they don't. And they they don't because there's no such category as transgender people. There are just people. There are people, and people are defined in a certain way, and people are defined by things outside of their own self-perception and their own disordered desires. There is no such thing as a transgender person. There are just people, and some people are confused, and some people have fallen into fantasies, and some people are pursuing disordered sexual desires and fetishes, but that doesn't change who and what they really are. And so a man does not have any right to dress up in public life as a woman. And a man does not have a right to dress up like a woman to go do whatever job he wants. The Supreme Court, unfortunately, has ruled that a man does have that right. And you saw this specifically in the Harris Funeral Homes case just a few years ago. And you've seen this in the Bostock decision, which says that civil rights protections on the basis of sex are actually, when you really think about it, civil rights protections on the basis of gender identity. And this is an absurd Supreme Court ruling, and it should should certainly be overturned, as many Supreme Court rulings have been overturned in American history. But you don't have the right to do it. And transgenderism is such a hot issue that sometimes it's difficult for the liberals to see past it because they just are so invested in transcending the boundaries of reality. But let me put it in another way and say that I really like frogs. And I really like the idea of, I, maybe I don't even view myself as a frog. I just really like the idea of being a frog. I don't have a right to show up to work in a big frog costume. Even if I really like it, I mean, in in, in this line of work, I've worn all sorts of crazy costumes in show business and politics. But even in this line of work, I don't have the right to show up to the show and then say, well, hello, everybody. Someday we'll find it, the Rainbow Connection. My, I notice my accent is becoming a little bit like Jordan Peterson's. But okay, now, now we're really, there's, it's like, this is inception of Daily Wire uh, personalities and views and costumes. But nobody has that right. You, you, if you pull up to your McDonald's and you order a hamburger, and then there's a guy in a big frog costume in the window, and you would think that's a little bit weird. And I think the manager would think it's a little bit weird. The manager would say, hey, go home and put on your uniform. Put on your clothing that you're supposed to wear. And the same principle holds for men and women. Men don't have the right to dress up like women. <laughs> women don't have the right to dress up like men. And if you are going to persist in those kind of deviant, disordered, scandalous, absurd, ridiculous behaviors of make-believe and dress-up, an employer is not obligated to hire you and an audience is not obligated to watch you. And we need to get a little bit more clear about that. That's the only way that we are going to eradicate the preposterous ideology of transgenderism from public life entirely for the good of society and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to that delusion, such as this Disney actor. Speaking of legal issues, Justice Sam Alito, one of the greats on the Supreme Court. Possibly my very favorite justice on the Supreme Court. Certainly right up there with Clarence Thomas. And I think probably even I agree with Alito a little more than I agree with Thomas. Sam Alito has a big target on his back and the libs are going after him. So there's a hack liberal journalistic outlet called ProPublica, which is trying to attack Sam Alito and gin up a scandal where there is none. And that's no surprise. The libs have been doing this for years. They've done it to Brett Kavanaugh. They've especially done it to Justice Thomas. Now they're doing it to Sam Alito. What's different here? When when they've done it to conservative judges in the past, the conservative judges have have gone on defense. So Brett Kavanaugh mounted that very strong defense at his confirmation hearings. You know, I like beer, I still like beer, that whole thing, and it worked. And I felt did a pretty good job of dispelling the Silly nonsense—the obviously concocted nonsense of that woman Christine Blasey Ford, where there's no evidence that you ever even met Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, you saw this with uh, Justice Thomas in the high-tech lynching confirmation hearings, where Thomas mounts his defense. He says, "This is this is a national disgrace. This is a circus. This is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves." And Joe Biden, who was chairing that meeting, immediately put his head down. He thought, "Oh no, wait! I can't. I look bad now that we're going after Thomas." In this case, though, Alito's going on the offense. Sam Alito published an op-ed just a few days ago in the Wall Street Journal and says, uh, ProPublica misleads its readers. The publication levels false charges about Supreme Court recusal, financial disclosures, and a 2008 fishing trip. Now, the, the issue at play here is that some guy invited Sam Alito to fly on his private airplane to a place that they were both going to. And this guy, through some indirect means, had business before the court at some point, And so they're saying, this is awful, and Alito should have recused himself, and this is corruption, whatever. And Alito does a very good job of knocking this down. He says, first of all, this issue has come before the court many times, long before I ever flew on this airplane, and I, my views haven't really changed on it. And I was invited on this airplane. This was an empty seat. It didn't it didn't incur any extra cost for the guy who did it to me. And uh, i I've been totally above board in all my financial disclosures. And he just just totally knocks it down, takes the wind out of the sails. The lesson here for conservatives, though, is that this unusual action of going on offense even before an attack comes out, this needs to become the norm, okay? We used to let things lie a little bit, not try to get too aggressive, try to maintain an above-it-all sort of approach. That's not going to work. Any semblance of neutrality in the public institutions, that's gone. You're either, you're either with us or against us. You know, That's the, the place that we're at now. I'm not sure if that was always the case, or and, and we're just seeing it more clearly now, or if this is a real change to our political order. But whatever it is, we're now engaged in a fairly clearly defined battle. And this laissez-faire, you do you, I don't have an opinion procedural, procedurism, proceduralism, that has defined our politics for a long time. That's over. Pick a side, fight very hard. We've got a guy coming up. Who knows a thing or two about that? That would be my friend, Jesse Kelly. The rest of the show continues now in the member block. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code NOLSKNWLS at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.